The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. So this, this new year, we are taking a deep dive into the book of Job. And we already started last week in Bible study, and today we're just gaining momentum as we, as we preach on the book here in worship and meditate on it, and we invite our kids to think about it with us. And, and tomorrow, if you'd like to take even a further deep down, uh, my podcast, The Notable Podcast, is going to be releasing every Monday on this book, too, on Job, and we're just going to be working through these books week after week after week. We're, we're, we're literally diving in headfirst into this book that we, that we call Job. And maybe you're thinking, you know, why are we doing that? It's the beginning of the year, not the end of it. And, and what I mean by that is this, like 2019, like we said last week, is like this infant baby and it's still filled with a lot of hope. Like maybe 2019 will be different than 2018. We can leave 2018 in the past and like it's... Why would we want to meditate at the beginning of the year on this guy covered in boils, sitting in ashes, suffering? And let me tell you why. It's not this. It's not that I don't want you to have a good 2019. I really do. I I, I want you to have a great year. But I want more than that, that you would come out of this year glistening like, like gold. Like you would come forth like gold. And you know where that happens and, and how that happens? Well, it happens when we take a journey like Job did. Because like Job says in his own words, Lord, I know you're up to something, and that when this is done, that I'll come forth like gold. This is what I want for you in this new year. That when you get, get caught off guard because something happens in your life, like the challenges come, and, and the loss comes, and, and the grief comes, that, that you're ready for it. Like, that you'll be strong, and, and you'll come out of that thing like Stronger than ever before. It's what I want for you. And that's why we're starting this year in this way, by, by diving into Job and taking our cues from him. This morning we're going to be starting with, with Job chapter 2. I'm going to read it to you, but we're going to pick up also a little bit of Job chapter 1. Here's Job chapter 2. You can follow along in your bulletins on, on page 9 if you'd like. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like on earth like him. 
He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God! And die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. It's the word of the Lord. Now, just about everyone, including secular people, know. The basic contours of Job's life. Like, everybody knows a little bit about Job. This is what we know. We, we know that Job was a very rich man, at least at the beginning of this book. Very rich man. Like, the Bible even calls him the greatest man of the earth. We know that. We also know that Job had the worst day of his life in this book. I mean, messenger after messenger after messenger came with bad news until he literally had almost nothing left. And then God took his health away too. We know that too about Job. But I want to share something that maybe a lot of people don't know about Job. Something that takes us a little deeper into this very sensitive man. Did you know that Job was a bit of an anxious man? That Job, at least at the beginning of the book, was a bit of a nervous man. I mean, the very first thing that we meet Job doing in the book, do you know what it is? He's building an altar. He's building an altar probably around 5 a.m. in the morning because once again, his children have had one of those epic week-long parties. And Job's worried. Like, he... Kept him up at night, so much so that here he is, 5 a.m. in the morning, he's building a fire, and he's making a sacrifice to God, and he's not praying, not yet, but he's thinking in his heart, he's doing a little bit of self-talk, and you know what he says? Very first words in the book that Job speaks. This is what he says, perhaps my children have sinned, and perhaps in their hearts they have cursed God. And so here Job is, very early in the morning, and he's building an altar, and he's pulling a little bit of a worry wart for his family because he wants to make sure that his children are right with God. Adult children, mind you. Now, I I don't want to move on from that fact too quickly. And I want to take that 
a little bit deeper, especially for the parents. And I'm not talking about parents with just young children. I'm talking about parents with adult children too. What a wonderful thing to do, isn't it? That you would worry about the spiritual life of your children. That, look, Job, he was running a business empire. It says he was the, the greatest man in the East. And so he could, like Jeff Bezos, like he could have gotten up and, and, and the first thing that he could have done is he could have said, now how many sheep were born last night? He could have done something like that, but he doesn't do that. What's he doing? He's praying. He's thinking about the spiritual life of his adult children. He's making sacrifices for them. What a beautiful thing. You know, to get down on your hands and knees and say, God, I don't know if my children have sinned, but God, please forgive them. Keep them safe. Increase faith in their hearts. What a beautiful thing to bring your children to Sunday school, right? Or to even go to your adult children and say, God's really important. I really need you to know this. But more than that, the second thing we want to learn from Job is this. The weakness of the human heart. Because here Job is, he's worried about the adult children that they might just curse God under good circumstances. I mean, think about that. Under good circumstances. These are children who have nothing better to do than to say, hey, little sister, come on over. Let's have a week-long party. Let's drink together. Let's eat together. Let's talk and joke and do those kinds of... It was good. And here's Job. He knows the weakness of the human heart that even under the very best circumstances, the human heart might say, you know, God, I don't need you. I created all this wealth without you. I curse you. I'm done with you. I don't love you anymore. That's Job's biggest worry. Job was a bit of an anxious man. And this is what connects up with our lesson then. What Job worried about. What kept Job up at night, Satan also knew. And it becomes Satan's biggest accusation, not just against Job's children or against Job or or against his family, but against every single human being. You know what Satan's accusation against the human being is? It's this. This is what he says. And this is, mind you, this is Satan's very best accusation that he's going to bring against God to God about the human being. He says this, verse 4. Skin for skin, a man will give all he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. You know what Satan's saying right there? He's saying, God, human beings don't really love you. Not only, not, not, and not just the people who say that they love you. God, they don't love you. They don't love you for you. They love your stuff. God, human beings, they love your gifts. They don't love the giver. God, human beings, they, they love the creation. They don't love the creator. And so if you take, if you take your stuff away, if you take your gifts away, They won't love you anymore. That's the accusation. We could frame it another way. The accusation that Satan comes with is this. 
that human beings are just gold diggers. Like the worst kind of gold diggers, like they cling to God just to get stuff out of Him. That's the accusation. And, and so it comes to this, and I, and I want to be very careful here because, because this is satanic. Like literally this is satanic. Like, like it, it, it should get cold in here and the candles should flicker just a little bit because, because this is a satanic accusation but it's something that we can't pass over too lightly. Do you love God for God? Or do you love God because of His gifts? And it comes pretty close to home, right? For all of us. It's an accusation that comes pretty close to home because what happens, and this is real for some of you, what happens when surprisingly, like, out of nowhere, you lose your job. Or what happens when, when life is going along great and then all of a sudden you're at the funeral of your child? You know, like Job was? Ten funerals? Or what happens when life is going along and then all of a sudden you found, found out that the husband who loved you, you know, he didn't really love you and he just takes off on you? Like, what happens? Because it would be easy for us to say, you know, and it would have been easier for Job just to say, you know, God, clearly you don't love me because let me show you all the reasons why you don't. You know, my, my, I just buried 10 of my children and, and all of my stuff is gone and now here I am sitting in the ashes. You know, God, you already cursed me, so I curse you. You see what, you see what Satan's saying here? That we don't love God for God. And that comes maybe just a little bit too close to home. And so here, here Job is. And I, and I want you to picture it with me because, because this is one of the most iconic, the most epic scenes in the whole Bible. I think you have to agree with me on that. Like, this is just iconic. I, I, iconic in, in, in this sense, like, you know that National Geographic picture of the Afghani girl with the, the piercing blue eyes? Like, it's, a, it's an image you'll never forget. Or maybe, like, you go and visit someone in the hospital. This happened for me, and this, and this person had uh, the bacteria-eating disease that'll just take, start eating your leg away, and it's an image that's just sort of burned into your mind. That's, that's really... <laughs> That's really verse 8. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Isn't that the picture we have in our mind when we think of Job? Like his legs are now blown up and they're twice their size. They're like swollen. That's what people think happened. And the only way that he can relieve his pain and the itchiness, maybe, is by grabbing a broken piece of pottery and he's, he's scraping his wounds. It's just, just one of those images that kind of gets into your imagination, in your heart, because 
It's so painful to think about all, all that he, he lost. And then, and, then, and then his wife comes along. He's sitting there. He's scraping his wounds. And, and look at what his wife says. Just look at what she says. This is what his wife says. Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And I want you to see this now. In the blink of an eye, she's become a satanic agent. You realize that? Satan has put words onto her tongue. What's Satan's big goal here? To get Job to curse die. What, curse, curse God and die. What does the wife say? <laughs> curse God and die. So here, this is the thinking, right? That if Job would just curse God, if Job would just say, God, I curse you, I'm done with you, you know, forget you because you don't love me, then God would send like a lightning bolt down or something like that and just end Job. Like it would just be over. You know what this is? This is assisted suicide. This is euthanasia by God. So that's kind of the, the idea here that if Job would curse God, it would just be over. The pain would be over. We could minimize it. No more grieving. It's, it's just over. And I don't want to pass that over too quickly either. Especially for married couples. Especially for married couples. But this is applicable in every relationship that we have. When things get tough, when we're going through grief and trauma, where do we need to be able to turn? One to God, but also to each other. But what can so easily happen what can easily happen is we can let Satan slip in there somehow and we can become secret agents of Satan. Isn't that, isn't that a startling thing to think that we can, all of a sudden, Satan can come between us and when we need each other the most, like when we need each other the most, to, that we can, we can come together and we can pray and we can say, God, please help us. We're in misery here. Are you gonna, will you come down and intervene and redeem us? We, we can say the most horrible things to each other. Curse God and die. So there's this question then, because we've actually arrived at this very climactic moment now. Job's now, he's sitting in the ashes and he's scraping himself and his wife has just said, curse God and die. So Job's got a choice, doesn't he? Very climactic. Like, what's he gonna do? Seems like all of heaven and earth is against him. And this is what he says You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing to say. I can tell you this, I'm a really bad sufferer. Maybe you are too. 
Job says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And with that response, Job shuts Satan up. Not forever. But he shuts him up. He shuts him up good. Did you know this? Here's a little trivia fact. Satan tucks his tail between his legs and he scuttles off. He never comes back in the book of Job. Did you know that? He never comes back. Job shut him up. Not forever, though. And by the way, Job does start cursing in the very next verse. Not God, but he curses the day he was born. I don't want to hold Job up as our Savior. He's not. He, he cannot be. He was not the perfect man. We'll see that he wasn't. But Job was a type. And, and let me explain myself. He was a type of Christ. Doesn't he remind you of Christ? The, the, the innocent suffering. What did, what did Jesus receive from God? Really, what did he receive from God? Nothing. He received a cross. And what's amazing about that is like, he doesn't try some assisted suicide by God and, and, and try to minimize his pain and, and just make it. And he doesn't, he doesn't do that at all. In fact, when they offer him something to minimize his pain, like that, that, that wine vinegar, he rejects it. Why? So that he could make the payment for all of us. So that he could become our perfection and our blamelessness. In fact, he believed to the very end that God was good when he really shouldn't. And he prayed, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. A blameless sufferer believed to the very end for us. And that's what sent, that shut Satan up forever. You know what Jesus said? And this is a stunning thing to think about. Jesus said in his ministry, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Think about that. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You know who's barred from the heavenly kingdom with all of his accusations now? Because of the work of Jesus? Satan. Not a single accusation. You know, <laughs> Satan might have something on us, doesn't he? He might have something on us. Like that sometimes it's hard for us to love God, isn't it? He might have that on us. But Jesus says, shut up, Satan. I have covered them in baptism. Take a hike. <laughs> There's only two things left to do. One of them is this. And Job helps us with this. Even if we're going through something. It's to worship. And just to say, you know, God, you're, I, I'm going through something right now. I've lost something. But I still have you. And to worship. That's a response of faith. The second thing is this. 
come with us on this journey as we go through Job. It's, it's an incredible journey. We will, we will come out shining like gold and to learn what it is that maybe we don't know about God that we need to know so that we can worship even when we're putting our children in the ground. And if we can end 2019 with these truths pushed into our hearts ever more firmly, then we've really gained something. Amen.